0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. Again, my name is BJ Thomas. You guys should know me by now, right? Today, we are speaking with Gina Kanadian. Gina is an alcohol-free sobriety coach who guides ambitious women to overcome dependency without AA. Gina's own triumphant journey proves how hard work and determination breaks barriers, and she is on a mission today to save marriages and to save lives. Wow, that is a big, big, responsibility right (laughs) it is but I love it (laughs) I imagine that you do because the impact is so powerful right right yep you you're changing lives and and you know how are you today like let's talk about that first because you know I know sometimes when you're ruling the world sometimes it's easy to forget to check on you so how are
1: you today Oh, today I'm fabulous. Today I had my private clients. I also do massage therapy. So oh. I was, yeah, I just traveled a little bit. And then I was, what's nice is that we're able to be outdoors in nature. So you like to have it outside. And I have the nice sun hitting on me and breath of fresh air, beautiful butterflies surrounding me, rose sometimes, which I embrace too. If <laughs> you're anything nature, I love so <laughs> I had a great day today, so
0: (laughs) I love it. I'm jealous. I'm going to get outside (laughs) tomorrow, so I promise you, hopefully I can get some of that. Well, thanks again for joining us, and you know, I I don't want to take up too much of your time today, so I really just want to jump right in. Can you tell us how this journey began for you? Well, I
1: wish I can say Everything was fabulous, and now I'm a fabulous alcohol-free sobriety coach, but it was not. And you Uh, are fabulous, but (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so early in my childhood, I was sexually molested as a child from the ages of 6 to 12 years old by a person that we trusted in the household. And unfortunately, I had held that all inside me up until I was age 22. And what happened is in between that time of me being 12 years old and 22 I got into such horrible relationships I was like the people pleaser I was like the one who was trying to fit into to like groups you know to friends and just trying to fit in so I always felt like I didn't belong in this world and I felt so secluded from everything and everybody So what I did my very first relationship I was about 15 years old and it was like the love of my life. Yeah. So you think at age 15 that you're going to get married to this person and you're just going to live happily ever after. Well, I actually lost my virginity to him. And what happened is that he became like, we were the same age, you were 15. He became kind of obsessive and jealous when I would talk to oh. even my girlfriends, not even guys, like my friend. He's like, don't wear that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's like, I didn't know. Like, I, I thought love was supposed to be nicer than that. And more mm. loving. And so I immediately had told my mom because she saw bruises on my my forearms because he would grab me and like have me not go to class because he wanted to talk things out right then and there. And I was like, oh, yes, so this is what's going on. She's like, oh, no, we're, we're going to get a restraining order on him. And so we went to court. And that was like my first experience of love, you know, restraining order. And, and, and so, this was at the
0: age of like.
1: 15 oh wow 15 yeah so it's it was horrible because then he was the class jock you know and so everyone sided with his story and i couldn't really i was like hiding i was hiding in high school yeah and i was very shy and just like scared what people would think about me and why were they saying this because no one knew my side they all believed him yeah and yeah so it wasn't until like i was in senior year i found another boyfriend who was Complete opposite, very loving, kind, and everything, but introduced me to a the rave culture, which is like great music, by the way. I love electronic music. I still do. But it was drugs were involved, but ecstasy okay. was involved. And I just felt like I belonged there though, because I felt like, wow, everyone loves me. <laughs> everyone was on something. And I felt like, okay, this is where I need to be. So I turn 18, you know, the 19, 20, 21 comes. Okay. Alcohol, and turn the age, right? So I started to go ahead and drink a little bit by the time I was 22. Loved going to clubs, met my DJ husband at the time. I, a little bit story about that. This was in 2005, no, 2004. He introduced himself and said, Hey, I added you on MySpace. Do you remember MySpace? MySpace. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, like, I just want to put a face in the name and introduce myself. And then here's a CD. It was like a promo CD. And I played the CD, it was like one of my favorite, like, How Songs Don't Change for Me by Arrow. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy's neat, you know? And so we had tea, you know, we started talking, and then we just fell in love. But the problem with this is that I didn't know he had a background of addiction from crack, believe it oh, or wow. not. I had no idea. And it wasn't until his brother had but said something in his speech, like, we thought we were going to lose you, you know, I'm so happy that you turned onto this path and you found the woman that you love. And I was like, what is he talking about, right? but this is the thing that we would go out and have what well, we would drink we would do drugs we would we that was our lifestyle our lifestyle was pretty much like party day in day out and so i started drinking to build more confidence cuz i still felt insecure in my own skin i felt like i was not good enough i was ugly and it all stemmed from the past and eventually that drinking turned into from habitual to then dependency first social habitual then to dependency Mm -hmm. and then I was drinking a fifth of vodka a day just to function to go to work to drive to be a mom because we wound up getting married in 2007 and then had our son in 2008 well that marriage doesn't work because I was he was codependent and I was in my addiction and whenever I said I want to go ahead and drink he would go and get it So our marriage, yeah, my anger started coming out more and more when I was drinking and we would get into fights and, you know, we would call on the cops on each other. We were getting physical with each other. It wasn't pretty. And plus we had a little son. But I was the one who was really initiating those fights, having these delusional thoughts in my head. Oh, he's cheating on me. Oh, he's doing this behind my back. But really, it was just my mind creating that monster and those thoughts. So I. And how how, old were you at this time again? Oh, let me think about this. I was 25. Wait, I got married when I was 25, 26. So between 20, 25 to 20 to 30. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after that, he had enough. He was like, you know what? That's it. I'm not coming home because I was throwing his stuff outside the window and I was just crazy, crazy behavior. And he's like, I'm not bringing our son back. I'm going to go ahead and keep him at my mom's house and you need help. And he left. So I was. Yeah, he. I was by myself at home and I was didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm, I just drank more and more and more. And I told my friend, who was my best friend at the time, and I said, you know, I don't want to live anymore. I was weird texting, right? Because I was just like in my bed, so depressed and sad because I never felt alone by myself. It was like, oh, you know, and so he, he took that serious though. And I remember taking a lot of Etivan because I had anxiety and all that stuff too mm-hmm. that comes with addiction, <laughs> And I remember the next thing I know, the paramedics were in my house taking me to the hospital. And
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: the doctor. I was seeing the doctor because I was going to go to an outpatient program for anxiety only because I still didn't admit that I was an alcoholic. I thought I just had anger issues and I had anxiety issues. So I went immediately after I was released from the hospital. They took me to inpatient because I said I was going to try to kill myself. And from the inpatient program, I stayed there three days and I went to outpatient program and outpatient program, I learned the coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms as far as how to cope with the anxiety, how to breathe it out, how to, you know, and I met a great circle of friends where we all had similar interests, not interests, well, actually, yes, interests was was <laughs> narcotics or drugs or had bas- bad relationships in the past. And then I I remember this one counselor, this lady, she comes in, she goes, do you know, do you drink alcohol? I was like, nope, that is not my problem. That's not why I'm here. I'm here for anger issues and anxiety. And then she looked at me like, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to admit it because I had so much shame and guilt. You know, like, you know, I, sh- I thought everyone drink the fifth of vodka, <laughs> you know, it yeah. didn't be okay and be able to function. And it wasn't really until, let's see, 2014 on Thanksgiving Day, I remember I had just Done from the party, my mom was gonna pick up my son at the time. He was already how old was he? First grader or so, and and then take me to my brother's house for Thanksgiving. And then I just remember I was like withdrawing from alcohol, and I was like, oh my goodness, I need some drink. I need a drink. But my mom was like, oh, you're not gonna drink anything. What are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, you don't understand, mom. I need to drink in order for me to live. Probably about this point because I'm about to pass out because I was sweaty and felt disgusting. And that was the day I finally admitted I was an alcoholic because my mom, bless her heart, she only gave me like four ounces of red wine. She, doesn't, <laughs> she didn't know how much I was drinking. She just knew I wanted to quit eventually. And I was like, no. So I wound up checking myself into rehab in December of 2014, the next month. So I stayed in the 30-day program Again, met a lot of friends, you know, we were just drinking tea, doing yoga out in the wilderness. It was just beautiful. I had a great experience there. But what did I do after I was released? Oh. There was a casino not too long, not too far from there. I went ahead and took myself there. I'm like, I can do this on my own. I can stop whenever I want to, you know? No. So I I got with a, a friend of mine who we had past relationships, relationships in college. We hooked up and then he and I were seeing each other for a little bit. And then I got pregnant. And during the time of my pregnancy and time where I was nursing, I had stopped drinking during that time. It wasn't until my, my baby at the time was going to go ahead and start the bottle. I went on to then and my bottle of alcohol has relapsed. Mm-hmm. And then my behavior started becoming again with that guy. You know, we were trying to live together, make it work. And even though it was a friend, I just knew it wasn't going to work out because I wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Physical violence. And he called the cops on me, actually, and good for him, you know, because I actually wound up going to jail, reflected, came back, drank more. I mean, it was like a continuous cycle. And then it wasn't until I was in my car and I actually just started crying and crying and crying. It was a rainy day and I was like, please, God, if I need help, I need to surrender. So that was my first step to surrender. And once I surrendered, it said, I need your help. I cannot do this alone. I do not want to live like this anymore. It wasn't two weeks later. It was like a blessing in disguise. I had pancreatitis where I couldn't hold anything in. I was vomiting constantly. I was in excruciating pain, way worse than any type of labor pain that I've experienced. And I thought I was going to die. And I had already moved out from my youngest father's place and got my own little studio because I knew I needed help. And I went and called him. I said, can you please take me to the hospital? I don't feel well. So he brings a baby and, you know, he takes me to the hospital. At this point, I don't have either of my kids living with me. It was just me and myself. Go to the hospital. We wound up going to a faith-based hospital, which was neat. And then the doctor, she came up to me and then she looked me in the eye and she said, you know, you're very ill. She said, you're going to die within 10 years if you continue drinking alcohol the way you're drinking. So you need to quit 100%.
0: And I was just like,
1: yeah, she said, you cannot do this anymore. And she looked me straight in the eye and she was very stern. And I was just looking at her necklace and I saw a beautiful cross. And I was just like, and I was just like, okay, there's a reason why I'm here right now. And there has to be some type of divine thing going on here that wants me to lead a different life. So I really did a lot of self-reflecting while I was getting better in the hospital. Nobody visited me. It was me and myself and God. You know, I really had to do some self-reflection. So that was in October of 2017. That was the month that I said, no more. I'm done with alcohol. So I was released, saw the vodka in my freezer, took it, poured it out, put it in the garbage outside, and then started recommitting my life to God. I'm like, okay, let me check out, you know, with Jesus, you know, (laughs) let's check out Jesus and see what's he he's all about. And that's what I did. I was led to a path where I was in that community where I had to surround myself with people who are wanting to evolve in life, wanting yes. to grow, wanting to be a godly woman or man, who, whatever that it is. And then that's where I found my now husband. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> which was amazing <laughs> because there's a cute story. Is it okay if I share? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm <all> I want to hear it. I was getting involved with church. No, you know, here I didn't want to date nobody. I was like, Lord, please, let me just date you only and nobody else because I cannot do this <laughs> dating thing. And so I was getting to women's Bible study. I was serving the children's ministry. I was doing the street ministry. I was like, let me get involved with whatever I can, you know, because I just wanted to better myself so I can have my kids again. And I was working with the children's ministry and there was this cute little boy and, oh, he was just the cutest guy. I was like, oh, he reminds me of my youngest. Oh, I love him so much. And then. I would see his dad come pick him up, but I would never see a mom. You know, I was like by himself all the time. And I remember he was also serving in the street ministry. And and then I remember one of the guys that was also on my team at the children's ministry who was also serving the street ministry. I went up to him and I was like talking to him. Hey, how's it going? And I saw the guy, the dad, and I was like, hey, I know your son. You know, he's so cute. He's such a good boy. And that was it. So like a week later, he had added me on Facebook. <laughs> What's up with the social media? Like, no, I I just, <laughs> that's I how just it begins. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I, I was like, okay, like sure, why not? Because he's just like a brother, right? <laughs> yeah. And so and so I like sure, no harm here because he's not going to want to pursue anything. And then. A week after that, then he says, hey, how about we get our kids together so we can go ahead and, you know, have like a little play date? Because I see you have a son about a year younger than mine. I'm like, "Okay," but did the kids ever come have a play date? No. Wow. (laughs) We wound up having coffee together and I then we were just chit-chatting about food and stuff on the Facebook Messenger And I was like, oh, no, I am not ready for this stuff. And then I think the Lord had different plans for me because clearly (laughs) he was like, no, 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 no. This is the right one. I don't know. And then I, we just fell in love and we just got married right away. And then we had our wedding. And I mean, it it was literally 2020, March 2020. That, or not March, February 2020. (laughs) We just had our anniversary recently, (laughs) our four-year anniversary. And then COVID hit. Yes. Yes. So this was the ultimate test because his parents from India literally came down to for the wedding and they couldn't go anywhere now. So I was like, their in-laws were staying with that. So I'm like, this is an ultimate test, you know? <laughs> but let me that just is tell beautiful, you. Yeah, that yes. is my
0: story in a nutshell. <laughs> Probably took all the show notes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it was very much worth sharing. And, you know, I I thought about because we didn't, you know, just go into detail about your story. I'd like for you to be able to keep that, you know, for when we're recording. But some of the questions that I thought I would have for you, you've either already kind of answered it. And, you know, in a way, like when I heard your story, I envisioned that, you know, your husband at the time, you know, maybe did she try to hide it or were there signs? But It doesn't sound like it because you said it was very tumultuous at that time, right? You know, you were calling the cops on him. He was calling the cops on you, you know, and it was just a tumultuous time. But looking back, do you think that your husband at the time supported you in the best way that he could? And this is no shade to him, but my purpose for asking that question is if someone else is dealing with a spouse or a loved one who was in the exact same shoes you are, what, if any, support can they provide to that person?
1: Yeah, it's just a beautiful question because at that time, I thought he was helping me because he was giving me the drink. I'm like, oh, great, but that's an enabler. And that's the thing that he had with codependency is like, he just wanted me to stay exactly where I was at because he Mm. felt that it was safe for him. Because I won't go anywhere if she's happy. She's not going to leave. She's not going to go anywhere because I'm providing everything for her that she needs. So if with two unhealthy people together, it just is not going to work. Because here I had my not issues. Work. Exactly. And so, and then he had his issues. And we we're just butting head, just numbing both of our pain. And what he couldn't, I wish What I wish I had, I wish we were both healed. Let's just say when we got married. I love
0: it. Okay. If Mm. we got,
1: if we were healed and had dealt our inner, inner, our trauma that we've held inside or whatever we were going on, because we really only attract who we are. And that's who I was attracted Mm. to because that's how I found Joel Michael was. Like we were like the same. same. But we, but he kept on giving me and feeding me alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. What I wish he would have done is gone to my mom, say, you know what, Gina's drinking a little bit too much. Maybe we can go ahead and have her. You know, maybe we can do something to encourage her or get some other support, some other ways where she can go ahead and stop drinking, period. And then maybe he's willing then to go ahead and change for himself and get yeah. involved into some type of men's group that can support him whatever addiction he was going through or any type of uh, co- like a
0: codependency support group, something, you know, yeah. just need support. I love that because I haven't thought about that as a solution, you know, when I was thinking about how this scenario might look, but go ahead and get the village involved, right? Get get the friends and get the support of the friends and the family members to try to offer more support for your loved one. Now, do you think you would have been receptive at that time if your mom and your husband at the time and say they they rallied someone else, you know, Almost like an intervention. Yes. Yeah, so it's great that you brought
1: that up because that intervention, I actually had one before I met my husband and it didn't work because oh, what actually okay. wound up happening, that was the time it was my siblings and my mom because they knew something wasn't right because I wasn't coming home. I was staying out late and I was just being reckless. It wasn't until we had that intervention, they're asking me questions. And then I just finally said, you know, the reason why I'm probably like this is because I was molested when I was little. And then everyone's yeah. paused and stopped. And I think that at that time, I was finally able to release that out and let it be known to everybody like, hey, this is what happened. This is probably why. But I think I was so selfish, really, in my in my own, set in my own ways that I felt like I was afraid to get better in some weird way. Like, I didn't want to get better. I wanted to stay exactly where I was at because I was only comfortable there. Like, I didn't believe mm. in myself. Yeah, I did not have any faith in myself. No, no belief, or no nothing.
0: Oh, man, that is so powerful, you know. And I hate that you, you know, feel the word is selfish because I just feel like maybe you were just dealing with a lot. But I also applaud you for using such a strong word, in my opinion, because it also tells me that you've taken full accountability for it. And I know sometimes that's a key to recovery well, at least I would think so, right? Is that you Mm -hmm. kind of take that accountability and say, you know what, this is kind of on me. And I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to come across insensitive or anything like that. What happened to you as a child, that was awful. That's like the worst thing that can happen to anyone, I think. And without trying to address it or heal from it, it's like you're also taking away your future from you too, right? Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yes. I guess I didn't really. It's like I, inside I was victim, but I didn't really understand that concept until I was older. Until you was o uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I didn't know why I was had those things, and it really just came out of me when I was 22. That's when I had that intervention. Yeah, and I just released it finally. And It was like, okay, let it be known. But I think the difference really does. You really have to heal yourself and love yourself in order for mm. you to love anybody else or attract that that partner that has the same values and morals and goals that you have and that's what i have now with my husband and i was even like lord like do you think that highly of me because no oh, yes he does <laughs> because now i'm with this amazing person that like i never thought in my life i would even be with because he's so like awesome
0: <laughs> You know, so I, I was like, you deserve and- it. You just <laughs> emit so much positive energy. So I, I feel it. And, you know, <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So one other thing that I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you had the intervention and then you kind of released the things that you've been holding in from your childhood, that was a big burden being lifted, so to speak. Right. But that wasn't the end of the story yet, because you went through some other things after that, too. How do you know or do you ever know when you're at that point? Because what I'm getting from you is it sounds like healing was a process and almost like steps. You know, you had to get past this step first and then that step. And I guess that kind of also goes into how do you help your clients with that? Because yeah. you're, you're on the other side now. And you're helping others. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: So in 2017, the date that I said, OK, I'm not going to drink anymore, I started getting into physical activity. And then one of my friends was like, you know, if you want to get into physical activity, I know a great yoga instructor. She is wonderful. So I'm like, OK, let me give her a try. I went over to her studio and not only was she a yoga instructor, she was a mindset coach so oh wow okay I was like getting to think by getting the best of the best you know so I'm not only is my body going to start looking better but my mind is going to start thinking better especially about myself because the body cannot heal if you don't love it so the mm. so say somebody. that again I've never heard that quote before and I love oh. it <laughs> a body cannot heal if you do not love your body or your mind or yourself, you know? So you, in order for you to heal, you have to love yourself. And then the, what she had taught me is how to reframe my thoughts, how to change my story, how to start talking, how to help me start talking differently about myself. Because I would always say, oh, Gina, you're in my head, right? But why am I talking to myself like that? I should have been like, "When I talk to a stranger? when I talk to a child like that? Absolutely not. So yes. what makes it right that I would talk to myself like that? You know what I mean? We're like so yeah. harsh on ourselves. So the mindset coach really helped me, and I really dove deep into just transform transformation. And I was transforming because I was practicing. I was practicing confidence. I was practicing practicing letting go of that resentment, that hate, that fear, that that resentment, everything. And then I started to. And then twenty twenty comes right, and this is the time where we had a big break. And so I got into learning more about multimedia marketing. <laughs> And then, because, you know, we're all at home, might as well do it from home. Might as well. (laughs) And then, so my friend, before I started to, I was going to take down all of my social media and he's like, no, no, let's leverage this for your, for your business. I said, okay. And I got into that and that was fun. It was a good distraction from, from sitting at home, not doing nothing. (laughs) So I was always doing something. And then I was going to a women's Bible study and I remember I was having them all pray for me for this new business that I have, this new health business that I'm creating. And then the lady says, Hey, by the way, you know, there's this, my, one of my friends has this masterclass uh, for business working for with female entrepreneurs. You should check it out sometime. So I did, and it was a wonderful class. I didn't sign up so, <laughs> after, cause she was offering her, her, what she, what she offers for programs. And I was like, Oh, I'm not ready yet. And then it wasn't until they kind of saw me a couple of times. And then we had an assignment to go ahead and be vulnerable and share our story. So I did it on film. It was only two minutes long and I wanted to get a scholarship for business coaching. And then I learned how to create a business that way. And I was just like, so many doors had then opened up. I was meeting a lot of professional women, like female women that I thought I would never be meeting before in my life. I'm like, what a wonderful way to like, you know, collaborate with these women and then just how create better friends because these are the women that I would want to align to and become as I'm growing. I had an incredible time. And so I now have my business and I do help my clients. And we do focus on the mind, the body and the spirit. Because Mm. the spiritual being is like the most important for me, because that's what really, truly, I had to surrender. So the Lord helped me and gave me many opportunities. And I'm just so grateful for that. So that's what I focus on. Yeah. One-on-one coaching with with women.
0: I love it. And, And earlier when you were sharing your story, I like that you said you got to the point where you felt like there was nothing else really for you to do when you had to give it to God. And, you know, I felt like that before in my life. And the last time I felt like that, I kind of had a talk with myself and said, why didn't I give it to God sooner? Mm-hmm. Why did I hold on to it for this long? And then my own answer to that was, God's doing so much other big stuff. You want to try to overcome it by yourself and, you know, you don't want to feel like you failed, but all of those things are invalid, so to speak. God is willing to take it at any point in time. You just have to release it to him. But I love that you shared that because I think so many of us, that has been our experience. We hold on to it without asking God for help for so, so long. And we don't have to, right? We don't yeah, have right. to do that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of then, uh, I want to ask you, what would you tell any woman who's listening to this, who's struggling with alcoholism right now? What would you tell them? I would tell them, you know, first off, you are so worthy of recovery.
1: You have a purpose. You are not just a mistake or anything like that. Because that's how I felt. You are div- divinely created. I mean, you are created by the most high so with that taken you are worthy with for recovery and don't ever think asking for help makes you a lesser person mm, yes yes asking for help is only going to strengthen you as a spiritual being as a, a mom as a daughter as a sister as whomever and asking for help is the best thing that I've done like I had sought my mentor I, I had asked for help with some of my friends now, like even to this day, I'm always
0: asking for help. I'm like, like when you get comfortable with asking for help, then you start asking all the time, Hey, can you do do that? I need you for this. Please show up.
1: Right. And so asking for help is is the thing I would say
0: do. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. So on the other side of that coin, what will you tell someone who has a spouse struggling with this also?
1: And just pray for your spouse and then just be supportive and just start, just be supportive and just be there for, for them. You know, they, you obviously came as a union for a reason. And I know sometimes there's, this was what the marriage happens. Like you'll have your ups and downs and yeah. just be the rock that you need to be for your spouse is what they need the most is your comfort and your unconditional love. And then just to be supportive and just the continued prayers. I think the continued prayers will will definitely help us.
0: Oh, I love it. That is beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, Gina, thank you so much for dropping in. Like, I feel like we can talk all day and I feel yeah. like you might be back. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, anytime, BJ, anytime. I love your personality.
0: You're so awesome. And thank you for having this platform. Like- likewise, it's- thank you. And, you know, tell us how we can connect with you. And if anybody has any questions, how they can reach you.
1: Oh, yeah. So my website is GinaKunadian.com. It's uh, wwwg dot ncom And I actually do have a gift for your listeners, for your audience. I have <laughs> I have what's called a six-step blueprint to living alcohol-free life. And it's the steps that I've taken and that I've embraced um, in my sobriety journey without AA. And so I have that available for your, for your audience. And I'll go ahead and send you the, the link if I have it already. And then you can just put that in show notes if you, if you like. But yes, I'm all over
0: social media. You can just find me under Gina Kunarian. And yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. So guys, if you have any questions for Gina, she's dropped her contact information. Please don't hesitate to reach out to her. I know that she would welcome your, your, your comments and your messages. And we'll link the freebie that she has. And if you need it, use it please use it, okay? It is there for a reason, and we hope that it can help you to get to your next steps, okay? So thanks again for joining us this evening, guys. Shoot us a message. I mean, if you've got any questions about this particular topic, please go to Gina. I'm not the expert. I will probably steer you wrong, so please go to Gina. But if you've got any questions specific to me, you've got my contact information in the notes as well. Thanks again, everyone.